Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. It is two wins from two for Brendan Rodgers and his Celtics side as they start the season with maximum points. Goals from Lilabada, Kyogo Furuhashi and Matt O'Reilly secured a big win at Pitodri against former Celtic man Barry Robson's Aberdeen side. On today's podcast we're going to be looking back at that game and asking the question why is everyone so stressed? I'm Enda Call and joining me today is Alan Morrison. Hi Alan. Yeah hi Enda. It's the ex-worry factor. (laughs) Expected worry (laughs) or ex-stress. Ex-stress sounds a bit. Yeah that sounds much better actually. (laughs) Juco James is on his holidays this week, so it's just the dynamic duo here today. But James will be back later this week. And before we go ahead with the podcast, just a quick explainer on what James half explained last week in relation to the show and my role within it. So basically, I'm starting a new role in my current job, which is going to take up more time from Monday to Wednesday. That's usually when we do our reviews. So I'm going to be stepping back from the review show. We're going to do that this season with just Alan and James. They're going to do the review, which will be coming your way early in the week on a Tuesday, probably most likely, or a Wednesday. And then later on the week, we're going to be looking at the news and looking ahead to the games in a second podcast of the week. That'll usually be on a Friday, and that will be with myself, Alan, and James. So two shows during the week this season on the huddle breakdown and if you want to get all those the best place to do it is on our youtube channel which you can subscribe to or you can get us on podcast as well on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts let's get into the review then it was a 3-1 win for celtic over aberdeen in pitudri lilabada kyogo for hashi and matt o'reilly getting the goals for celtic in their second win in their second game of this new league season and alan Pitodri is not a place that Celtic have really struggled to actually get a result. They have not struggled in actually winning games at Pitodri, but it, it's never really an easy place to go. And it was similar enough this time around against Barry Robson's side. They were very well set up. They made it difficult for Celtic. And this was a win that Celtic really did have to sort of grind out. It was not a performance that you'll look back at and say it was Celtic's best performance. But Aberdeen were quite good in this game as well. And I think you have to give them a lot of credit. Yeah, in many ways it was very similar to the Ross County game. And actually Aberdeen's approach was quite similar to Ross County as well. And that, that probably added to it. Um whereby that, you know, I think I think what 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 we're really seeing here is we're obviously we're transitioning out of where we got to with Ange and the team, where it was a very 
Um, we, you know, we talk about coherence, we talk about consistency. We, we, I can't stress enough just how consistent Celtic performed in the league uh, and in, in Scottish domestic football specifically uh, under Ange in terms of the consistent amount of chances created, the quality of those chances, the XG differential between what, what Celtic were creating and what the opposition were creating. It was, it was, there was, there was very little variety actually in terms of that, and and, and it was, and it was Celtic was so overwhelming in terms of their ability to uh, attack the opponent, and also it meant that you know they they were very limited in their ability to threaten Celtic's goal. Opposition XG was going down and down and down, almost to a sort of unsustainable level. You would have thought. Um, and we kind of got used to that. And I think you said yourself on the show that, you know, what should, what should we talk about this week? It's like we performed the same again as we did the week before and we blew the opposition away. And we're, obviously we've transitioned now into a new manager and, you know, some new players, a bit of turnover, et cetera, maybe a bit more than what we expected. So I think it's, it's normal that there's going to be a bit of change. It's normal that perhaps um, the team haven't got that same level yet of um, sort of relentless consistency that they, that they got to under Ange. And that did take a while uh, to, to achieve that. So um, I don't think we should be worried in any way right, in, in terms of a macro, looking at the macro picture. I think on the micro level, um, there's probably a few things that we can get into as we go through the show in terms of things that we ought to acknowledge around how Celtic are playing now, how some of the players are developing or not developing, etc. So I think, I think there's some legitimate points of concern but I certainly wouldn't be overly worried I think in the two games we've scored seven goals that's not been an overperformance. XGs have been you know well up I think the the, the slight concern is that we're, you know we're probably a little bit more open and we're, we're, we're certainly in both games have conceded over one XG um, to the opposition they've had lots of shots they've had a terrific number of corners against us which is obviously quite stressful given how small Celtic are as a team so I think that's adding to the, the sort of concern as well but a lot of it I think is to do with the way that the two teams have set, set up against us where you know we definitely haven't seen um, Ross County or Aberdeen bunker in we've seen them uh, effect you know put, put numbers up high uh, have two through two forwards attacking midfielder, three players pressing uh, high, man to man marking midfield, very aggressive, very um, determined uh, defending, and then um, a lot of channel balls, a lot of long passes on top of Celtic. We're conceding throw ins, we're conceding corners. Joe Hart's having to come off his line. It all can get a bit hairy sometimes. So I think that's down to you know the opposition and the way they're playing, and maybe whether that's a trend thing. Because I think there's, I think there's a trend in football in general towards more direct play at the moment but also maybe teams have thought well look we've, we've tried the bunkering in against the slot we'd eventually just get beaten let's let's give it a go you know they're, they've got a new manager they've got a couple of new players they've got a new center half let's 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 give it give it more of a go and i think the two games have been terrifically entertaining uh a, a lot of chances at both ends but just not quite this sort of safe comfortable wins that we kind of got used to last season Mm. Yeah, I think the way that Aberdeen played was very interesting and it was sustained as well is probably the best way to put it and probably the reason why it looked like such a tight game is because usually you see teams, maybe if it's a tight game, they'll stick with Celtic until the 50, 60 minute mark and then Celtic will take on four subs and blow them away in the final half hour. That didn't really happen in this game. Aberdeen very much were still pressing uh, by the time it was the 80th, 85th minute, they were still going for it. I actually did some research before the show. You know, I've, James is off this week, so somebody had to fill the, the gap there. So if you look at Aberdeen's underlying numbers, so this is Scout data, I actually went on to Scout and everything. 
they pressed very high against Celtic. They turned over the ball 39 times in Celtic's half, which is, you know, that's not what you want happening. You do not want to lose the ball in your own half. Aberdeen attempted more passes into Celtic's final third than Celtic did against Aberdeen. They attempted just four less passes into Celtic's box than Celtic did against Aberdeen. And they had 10 deep completions to Celtic's 12. So they very much tried to play as much of the game in Celtic's half as they possibly could. And to do so, they went down the wings, they went down the channels. So just 4% of their play went down the middle. 53% went down Greg Taylor's side. So they very much targeted Greg Taylor. And 43 went down uh, Anthony Ralston's side. So they, they went down to the channels. They went high. They went long. And they really got at Celtic. They really caused them some issues this way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's excellent. I'm I'm massively impressed with all that. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to have to, uh, you know, when you put the show up, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that all again. It was great. <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah, listen. <laughs> I need to get the spreadsheets going now. That's all. You've got, you got to record it and compare it and benchmark it and all that, all that good stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, listen, that's, I think that's spot on. And I, and I think we have to give Aberdeen some credit, you know, in terms of how they try to approach the game and put Celtic under under pressure. That You know, this sometimes it is about how the opposition uh, play. You know, we did talk last season about how Celtic nullified teams irrespective of the depth of their defence, irrespective of how compact, whether they had two up front, three, five at the back, whatever it was, uh, you know, Postacoglu's team found a way to get through them. Um, and, you know, Joe Hart's interview after the game was, I thought, was very refreshing, very honest about how, you know, what what they're, what they're trying to do is quite complex. I, th- I think Celtic have changed. We're, we're playing an awful lot more long balls now as well. Um, you know, Aberdeen were actually com- comfortable going 1v1 at the back with uh, Celtic's three attackers. Uh, that was a pretty brave move by Robson. Um, and it pretty much paid off for him other than, um, well, it was an inadvertent, really, Devlin nodding the ball back for Kyogo. But that wasn't as a direct result of leaving players one-on-one. I mean, other than Maida did get past Devlin, created a good chance for Abada at one point. That was from a fairly long pass out from the back from Navrotsky. Um, but other than that, you know, they didn't, they weren't, you know, because you know, Joe Hart's longer passes were easily cut out by their taller, taller, def- stronger defenders. So it, it, it kind of, that, that aspect of it, I think, kind of worked quite well. And they did force us to go long. But I think we are going longer. I think then it, you know, the thing with that is, of course, then it's about decision-making. It's about when is it appropriate to go longer when, and then it's execution because it's obviously clearly a lot harder to play a longer pass in terms of accuracy and judging the conditions and so forth. <clears throat> so I think there's a lot a lot of change happening and I think, it's as Joe Hart said, it's going to take time for the, to, uh, us to adjust as well. And if teams are going to be on the front foot to Celtic like this, I think we're going to have some very entertaining games. But I think our fluency, the Celtic fluency, I think will improve. Um, you know, at the moment, uh, you know, especially Callum McGregor, who's always been Celtic's kind of link player, the one that sets the tempo, sets the the way that the team uh, play in many ways, um, with the man-to-man marking and the and the more sort of um, vertical kind of nature of the games. Um, he's not been getting on the ball as much. He's not being able to control tempo as much. You know, one of McGregor's perhaps weaknesses is he isn't that press resistant you know he's he's he, he can get knocked off the ball that happened a couple of times in the first half against Aberdeen where they were able to break in central areas because they won the ball back off him a couple of times so I think that's been a, a feature and that's something which you know we need to think about how how we kind of are more resistant 
in that central and how can we get McGregor back on the ball and start to increase the levels of control because we have it's just felt like we haven't been quite in control of the games to the same extent I think that's been leading to some anxiety at least which is a little bit unusual because if you think back to Brendan Rodgers previous Celtic side and even just the way that he likes to play he he likes his midfield to be actively involved almost all the time and control is his ethos is controlling the ball but Celtic did look loose and sloppy and maybe it's down to the intricacies of their their triggers or their movement that they have to change the style of play and I think the players have spoken about that they have said that they're being asked to play a slightly different way and it is a much bigger change than you would expect in terms of the the way that they have to move, who they're getting the ball off, when they're getting the ball off them, where they want to get the ball, where they're receiving it and where they're going with it afterwards. So, I mean, I think that is showing up in the midfield so far and that brings us on to the conversation around the midfield. I do want to touch on the defence as well later in the podcast, but we'll we'll start with the midfield because that's been the narrative since the start of the season. A few inadverted digs at Rio Hotate perhaps in the media um, from Brendan Rodgers I should say and bigging up of David Turnbull David Turnbull has obviously started both the, these games Turnbull taken off at halftime for Hotate who has to go off injured and the way that Celtic play with these players is vastly different in my opinion Turnbull is a completely different player to Rio Hotate and not in the way that Celtic probably need, in my opinion. He's a little bit slow and lethargic, but he is creative at the same time. Just to compare and contrast the the two players, I have also pulled off up some stats for this. So David Turnbull in his this first incredible. <laughs> 45 minutes, in his first 45 minutes. So I think people weren't very happy with David Turnbull and he didn't have a really good game. And, and I think that's pretty much fair to say. But I think it's his lack of involvement more than anything that he did when he got the ball he wasn't really that bad he actually he had 21 out of 25 passes completed six recoveries in the opposition half he only lost the ball I I think three times altogether and the problem is that he wasn't involved enough it's because if you compare it to the way that Celtic played with Rio Tati on the pitch Rio Tati got on the ball he was much more active when he got the ball. He was on the half turn, bringing Celtic up the pitch. And if you look at the momentum and the amount of attacks that Celtic were um, going after Aberdeen, it was very much in favour of when Rio Atati was on the pitch. It actually doubled. So they were averaging 0.4 attacks when Turnbull was on the pitch for the entire 45 minutes. From the 45 minutes to the 60 minutes that Rio Atati was on the pitch, that doubled completely. Celtic were on the front foot. They were getting forward. They were getting the attackers involved. And that was largely down to Rio Atati coming as an option into the channels, giving, getting the ball and progressing it forward. And that energy is something that Celtic really need. It is looking like Atati. If he's not Brendan Rodgers' favourite player, hopefully he becomes slightly more in favour. Again, I, you know, I've talked about this so many times now. It's... I thought you know these players are fundamentally not going to change in terms of some of the observations that we that we've made. It's you know, with Turnbull, like you say, he just physically doesn't move very quickly. I'm, I can't put it any other way. It, you know, it, it takes him a little bit of time uh, turning wise. He's not he's not you know one of Hatati's strengths, for example, is he's he's quite a small guy. He's got a very low center of gravity. He can change direction very quickly, and the way that he accelerates from a standing start with the ball. 
and, and can do that on the turn is one of his one of his real strengths. Turnbull's a little bit more ponderous, his turning circles a lot bigger, and and he physically doesn't really move that quickly. If you watch him pressing, it it looks quite sort of laboured, really. Um, you know, I don't think he was that bad. He set up a couple of chances. They weren't great chances. He had a couple of shots. I think he gave the ball away quite a lot in terms of more in the in the opposition third, to be fair. And I think what Roger said was it was a lot of second balls. And again, he, he's just not as um, and his anticipation and his speed, you know, to get to those second balls, uh, you know, he's not as nimble across the ground as, as Hatati is. So that isn't going to change you know, fundamentally. And, it, and it, again, it speaks to what we've been crying out for for a long time now about just the general level of, of athleticism and power in that central midfield area. So Hatati coming on, I think, gave Celtic better control, gave them a bit better forward momentum. But again, there was a there was a moment in early in the second half when Shaden Morris got the ball and he just skipped past Hatati and McGregor as if they weren't there. Now, again, you scale that up to Champions League level if you're suddenly just being blasted past. And this is what happened against Wolves, you know, quite a few times. And and then you're then you're up against Greg Taylor, and I think Morris had quite a good time against Greg Taylor as well. That that combination of those three in that left left central quadrant um, defending against pace on the right hand side is just it's just a recipe for you know. For being for being uh, stretched very badly, put it that way. So, and again, listen, that isn't going to change. That's the personnel we have. We don't have that athleticism, that power, that pace, and you know the, some of the more cere- cerebral technical skills that Itati and Turnbull have got. We don't have that combination. And again, I'm not talking about beating Aberdeen. I'm talking about competing and being competitive against a pot two, pot three, cha- you know, Champions League team. That's that's what I'm thinking when I'm when I'm talking about these things. It's, it's fine. It'll be fine against Kilmarnock. It'll be fine even against Aberdeen. So again, those those problems must be evident. If we can see them, I'm sure uh, Rogers can. Um, we're certainly racking up the injuries again. You know, Hatati went off what looked like a calf strain, which is probably not 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 a simple thing. Um, Carter Vickers went off with a hamstring. That might explain what happened with their goal because it was uncharacteristic of him to to basically misread the ball and allow. Um, Duke to uh, or Duck or whatever he's called to get in behind him, uh, and then compounded by the fact that um, it was obviously such a shock to everybody that Carter Vickers has actually misread the ball because it just happened so few times that Navrotsky let uh, let Mayovsky run off him. Uh, he, st- he basically stopped and let Mayovsky have, have effectively a tap in when the ball was cut back. So that so the system kind of collapsed with that one that one through ball and then two mistakes and, and it's a goal sort of thing. So. Um, you know, that, I think that's causing a bit of anxiety. Having your two best defenders out at the same time in Carter Vickers and Johnson isn't helping matters. Um, bedding in a new centre back, obviously, I thought Navrotsky, apart from that one lapse at the goal, he otherwise, I thought, had a good game. Again, he offers a nice mix of he's comfortable driving forward with the ball, his passing out from the back was good. You know, he's strong and combative. I think he generally did well in his duels. Um, uh, and, and all that. So, um, you know, that, I think that was one of the bright lights overall, despite the goal, um, you know, for sure. But uh, yeah, the midfield, listen, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> sick of talking about it. The issues aren't going to go away until I think we, you know, we ups, upscale the level of athleticism and, and, uh, and, and strength really in that area of the pitch. Well, can we talk about a new issue then in the midfield? And that's Cal McGregor. Now, before anybody comes at me in the comments, I'm on record as saying Cal McGregor, in my opinion, is the best player in Scotland. That may not be the case. That may not be my opinion by the end of this season. Not in terms of 
on the ball. I thought he was fine on the ball, maybe a little bit sloppy and loose in the first half when he was put under pressure, but it's more off the ball, Alan. There was a couple of moments where when Aberdeen were counter-attacking and it was a one-on-one race between him uh, and the Aberdeen players, he did look like he lost that half yard of pace just overnight. And it might be early in the season, he might not be fully fit. I doubt that somebody who is so athletic and naturally fit as Cal McGregor isn't fit at this stage of the season. But, you know, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that aspect. But it does look like he is a little bit more slow um, than he would be last year. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and guess what? Thirty-plus-year-old starts to slow down in his thirties and lose a bit of pace. I mean, this is normal. Okay, so let's let's get this on the table. So I did did a little look at Callum McGregor, and you know, guess what? Most of his stats are declining, right? They are, and and, and they have been for a few years now. Now that, that that's not me saying I'm writing Callum McGregor off. That's not me saying we should get rid of Callum McGregor. That's not me saying Callum McGregor shouldn't play. Because what I'm firmly of the view of is even though Callum McGregor may not be performing at the levels he did, let's say, two years ago, um, what he gives the team, if you if, if you did, if we didn't have Callum McGregor but decided we needed to buy a Callum McGregor-type player in the marketplace, you'd be looking at a phenomenal amount of money to fill that gap, right? So, you know, it, that's why he's worth, he's worth keeping, even though he's declining relative to himself, relative to the market and where what you it would take to replace him, he's absolutely still fundamental to the team and he's still the the player who's the most the best, the most intelligent at setting the tempo, at getting Celtic moving forward, at linking the play. Absolutely. But we cannot deny, we cannot turn our eyes away from the fact that there is some natural decline there, as as we've talked about with Joe Hart. These players are getting into the into the thirties or well into the thirties in Hart's case. So it's it's normal and it's natural. The question is, what impact does it have on the team? How do you manage around it? So what have we got here? We've got a situation where the two games that we've played so far are far more open and fragmented uh, than what they have been what we're used to, where Celtic have dominated the ball, pinned teams back, control, 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 McGregor can pass, 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 pass. Now he's being man marked very aggressively. He's not getting on the ball as much. When um, the play breaks down, as it often does, the game's stretched. He's got more yards to cover if he's going to recover the ball. He's got more yards. His, his, his teammates are further are further away from him because the games are getting really, really stretched now uh, in the last two two matches because of the directness of the play, not just the opposition directness, Celtic's directness. Celtic are hitting their attackers quicker, which means if you're a midfielder and you've got to get up the pitch to support your forward, you've got a heck of a, a run to make, as you know, as a midfielder, and a, a heck of a long way to go. And then if you lose the ball, you've got a heck of a long way to run back, right? So that's really, really demanding. And especially, um, and, then the, and then the other aspect is, it looks like we're trying to get O'Reilly and Turnbull to get beyond Kyogo. So Kyogo's dropping deep. He's linking the play. He's a great footballer. We're using all of his wonderful skills. Um, but we're, we're looking, trying to get you know Turnbull and, and O'Reilly in the box. They've scored three goals between them from open play so far. That it, that it, on occasions, it's working brilliantly. But again, if you're Callum McGregor and your two mates are bombing in, bombing beyond the striker into the box all day long, you're kind of on your own, right? And if the fullbacks aren't inverting, which they did against Ross County, but they didn't against Aberdeen, then that leaves McGregor pretty isolated. So I think we need to think about that as a team. This is not all just on Callum. This is about the team, you know, looking at the weakness, our own weaknesses and mitigating those 
and, and supporting us, supporting ourselves in terms of not having those. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, structural weaknesses uh, and areas where the, the opposition can uh, can attack. So I think there's still a lot of work to do in that regard. Um, and I don't think, you know, an, an age, a slightly aging Callum McGregor who's played a lot of football getting into his 30s, you don't want to be leaving him isolated in central midfield. I just don't think that's a good idea. So a lot to a lot to ponder there, I think. Yeah. And I mean, this is sort of reminiscent of the Scott Brown conversation that we were having uh, a couple of years ago where Scott Brown was being exposed and it wasn't all down to him that he was looking really terrible. It was the system that was set up in place that was exposing him in the first place. And I do think there is a little bit of that with Kyle McGregor at the minute, especially with the way that Celtic are playing defensively with the, the four. They're very much returning to an orthodox uh, fullback system if Aberdeen is to go. Maybe that's the way that Rodgers wanted to play specifically against Aberdeen, but we'll wait and see as the race goes on. But Greg Taylor... It looks like that's exposing him a little bit more as well. And you're just looking at this and wondering, Ange clearly had optimized the formation and the style of play and it really worked with this this group of players and they really bet into it and they knew what they were doing. And you're just wondering, number one, is this down to readjustment, a readjustment period where, you know, give them five games and Cal McGregor will not be exposed anymore. Greg Taylor won't be getting caught on the ball as much, won't look as, as slow and lethargic as he did. Or is this a thing where 
these players just aren't good enough to play the system that Rodgers is now trying to implement. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, again, listen, don't want to go overboard on this. I think these are these are these are tweaks, not sort of revolutions. I think even if even if for a few games, if we'd inverted the fullbacks like they were used to doing, and had that more sort of sort of two three five shape again. Like we did under Postacol, I think that, you know, just sort of transition. Even if you want to be a little bit more by direct, it doesn't mean say you can't sort of have that shape and at least protect that central area. I think there's just little tweaks like that that can be done. Um, and also, there's just the, the thing about you know who the manager sees as being the, f- the future going forward. I mean, to use two examples, and this is just my observation is, and this is this is like you know any 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 workplace, right? You know, a new manager, a new boss comes in. Uh, they, they make their own mind as to who's valuable and who who they may think is not as valuable. It looks to me, and this is just my observation, that for example, you know, Celtic are supposed to be looking for a left back. Now, there's no way that Greg Taylor doesn't know that. I mean, agents talk. It's it's a it's a small village in that sense. Greg Taylor will know if Celtic are looking for a left back, and therefore he's probably thinking, well, for the last two years I've had a manager that loves me. Uh, loves what I do, loves the fact I follow his instructions to the letter, and you know, and all that. And now I've suddenly got a manager that's like potentially wanting to replace me. So Greg Taylor might be feeling sorry for himself. He might be feeling less confident, and certainly his play is not as assertive. He's giving the ball away a lot. He looks he looks very uns- a bit more unsure of himself than what he did last season. And then on the other hand, you've got a player like Matt O'Reilly, who seems to have kind of blossomed in the in the in the early parts of the season. Not only on the field, but off the field. You know, he's more vociferous. He's more opinionated. He seems very confident in himself. He's, you know, he's he's becoming more uh, kind of assertive as an individual, and that's probably the result of having a manager in Rogers that, that says, like, you know, you are a key part of this team. This is the role I want you to perform. He's comfortable with that. He's he's doing it on the pitch, etc. So, this is all again. This is all a, a normal process of change and 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 we're kind of seeing it unfolding between you know, before our eyes in some ways and it, and it will settle down i mean the best thing that can happen is that we get to the end of the transfer window we know we've who we've got and everyone can just kind of breathe and, and we kind of move forward but at the moment rogers is still trying to put his mark on things we haven't really signed apart from Navrotsky, we haven't really signed a, a first team absolute you know this is guys really going to be starting most weeks type of player yet we know we've got loads of cash in the bank. We know we've lost some really key players in Starfield, Jota, uh, Moy. Um, and so we, we think there's more to come, but it's not happened yet. So we get a bit impatient. That's fine. That all adds slightly to the anxiety. So, you know, again, nothing to be panicking about, but these are all sort of legitimate concerns at this stage. But I'm sure, uh, I'm sure what I would say is, you know, does Brendan Rodgers look stressed? Does Brendan Rodgers look worried? If you remember when Ange came in um, and he was a little bit terse and he made the comment about things just not moving quickly in the transfer market um, and, and and Don Mackay was, was, was in his brief stint and then he, he was gone very shortly. And, you know, Ange was definitely tense at that point and he was only just in the door. Rodgers seems very calm. He seems um, to know that there's a lot of work to do. He seems sanguine about the fact that yeah some will be coming in some will be leaving so you know i take my cue from him really i you know i have confidence that that he's kind of feels he's got things under control we've won two games we scored seven goals that wasn't a fluke the xgs are in line with that that's so that's all good the, the perform, attacking performances in some respects have been excellent actually we've scored some cracking goals we've created a lot of chances but you know i think as well we're allowed to have the concerns that we've got 
about Johar, about McGregor, about Greg Taylor, about the openness of the way that we're playing, about the lack of cover and transition in midfield, about the bedding in of a new defence, about the injuries. These are all things that were, you know, I think are legitimate to discuss and be slightly concerned about. But the big picture is that we should still be fairly content going forward. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the attack looks great. Kyogo's new role definitely seems to suit him. There are positives from these games as well. Home, for example, coming off the bench in the last two games looks really confident and just looks like a player who's going to really go places in the next couple of seasons. Just so composed on the ball. Maybe he has a little bit maturing to do based upon some of his social media activity, but oh, yes. um, we'll need to rein that in a little bit. Hopefully that doesn't become an issue going forward. Yang looks really exciting and direct. So, And Matt O'Reilly, again, as we said in preseason, he looks like a player who's going to really thrive under Rodgers and that's coming true in the first couple of games. But as you said, there are concerns. I think the main concern for me or from a Celtics fan's perspective would be that none of the issues that you would have pointed out at the start of the season have really been addressed because the goalkeeping situation, I mean, we saw... A really bad uh, mistake from Hart in the first half where he gave away the ball from a loose kick out and better teams would have capitalised on that. And then in the second half would have been sent off had it not been for an offside um, leading up to him taking out the forward. And just it's a couple of bits and pieces like that just really do worry in the first two two games. But at the end of the day, as you said, scored loads of goals, scored really nice goals. And apart from defensive situations, have looked pretty much in control of games against the first two uh, oppositions in Ross County and, and Aberdeen. But let's focus on the defence for just one minute because that's probably somewhere that needs to be addressed fairly rapidly. I know Celtic are in the market for a centre-back. It looks like it will be coming in fairly shortly. Not so sure that's going to be a starting centre-back. looks like more a backup to Navratsky. Greg Taylor was exposed at the weekend against Morris, very much so. He was exposed by pace and power and long balls over the top. And if you cast your mind back to AZ Alkmaar a couple of seasons ago in the uh, Champions League qualifiers and that's what Celtic were done in by, I think it was Starfelt's first game, was long balls over the top, pace in behind, exposing the weaknesses in Celtic's aerial ability. And nothing seems to have changed since then. It still seems to be that situation where we don't have that much pace in the defence. We don't have that much height in the defence. Any height that we do aren't that great in, in the air anyway. And then Greg Taylor just gets exposed by a much more physically uh, dominant player. Um, and that seemed to happen against Aberdeen time and time again. And that's probably the worry going forward in the season, especially in Europe. Yeah, again, you know, the the way that Postacoglu kind of mitigated that was... You know, he kept the team fairly compact, um, and part of the reason for inverting the fullbacks wasn't—it wasn't necessarily an offensive move in terms of yes, it gave you bodies in the middle of the pitch, allowed you to progress the ball. Taylor, especially, was really good at playing ball balls from central positions forward. Um, but it gave, what it what it also gave you is it gave you three players in transition. Um, you have two centre backs and you have three, you have two fullbacks and McGregor. If you lost the ball. You were probably a little bit exposed on the wings, but you, you'd covered the centre, and that's that's the really dangerous area. So that we just seem we just lost a little bit of that. I think we've lost that little bit of um, solidity in transition. You mentioned it in terms of the Y Scout data, the number of turnovers. 
what I would say is that we forced Aberdeen into a tremendous number of turnovers as well. So that that was great, our ability to force them into errors. Because I mean, what I would say about Aberdeen is that you know the two I think the two forwards are really good, and at SPFL level I think they're they're excellent. Um, Clarkson I liked. I think Paul Vara did okay. Um, Shinny, you know, Shinny's great at you know ratting about and winning the ball back and disrupting. But they, what they didn't have in the back three was anyone that could really a really good passer of the ball. I think they really need someone to going to be three at the back. Someone's got to be that that sort of ball progressor. And if, if they'd had that, we could have been in, in trouble a little bit. And we were able to turn turn the ball over quite a few times uh, against them. But but you're right, the defence is a concern. I don't think it's as well protected as it was last season. Um, what I will say is I thought Joe Hart in general had a pretty decent game actually on on Sunday in terms of there's a lot of corners, in-swinging corners loaded on top of him. He dealt with them all, I think, pretty well. I think there was one free header, not free header, one header that uh, O'Reilly got beat in the, in the centre of the goal. Um, but otherwise, I think he, he, he dealt with it pretty well. He was trying to hit Maida and Abada on the break with some longer passes. Um, you know, and he, he had a lot of recoveries. He came out of his box and, and, and fielded the ball on quite a few occasions. So I think he did okay. It's not going to change the fundamentals, obviously, of how old he is and his, you know, you, you cannot recover your speed as you get older, sadly, kids. <laughs> uh, I can tell you that for sure. Um, so, you know, all those issues that we've talked about ad nauseum really uh, will still exist. And that, and that but that, what, what, what really, the reason for bringing that up again is that in terms of defensive solidity as a team, these are all little things that add up. You know, your best defender was struggling with 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 his fitness. And actually, if there was one thing that I was upset about about on Sunday, it would be the notion that we pushed Carter Vickers back into the team too soon, and did that exacerbate his his hamstring strain, or whether it was just something that he felt, or whether it actually has got a grade tear in it. I don't. We don't know yet. Um, but if Celtic have pushed him into action too soon then again we've talked about this a few times that to me is a is a red flag in terms of the quality of decision making uh, at the club um you know but so you know taylor's confidence looks to be waning hearts not as physically uh, capable as he was your best defender has been struggling with fitness your very very good right back is out <laughs> and you're bedding in a new center backs and and then we're playing a much more open stretched Kind of game. So add all those things together. Not one of those things would be a, a cause for alarm. But you add them all together incrementally, and you've got a number of points of weakness there as far as you know defensive performance is concerned. So I'd be astonished if Rogers doesn't know that, can't see it, and you know, as I say, we've got to, we've got to wait to see how that pans out. You know, it seems like Welsh has you know made a made a good impression. I thought he was actually very good when he came on and pretty no nonsense sort of second half that he had. So that was that was a plus you know, on the day as well. And it looks like, you know, he may well be one. And I think we said this, James and I were talking about this last week. I, I would be happy for him to be the fourth choice uh, centre-back. I just don't think it makes any sense for Stephen Welsh to be the second, the second fourth choice centre-back. I'm happy as a Celtic fan. I think he's a good option and he's a safe, fairly safe player. If I was him, I'd be wanting to get first team football, but let, let's wait and see what happens. Yeah, I, I mean... Rogers said it after the game that he thinks that Stephen Welsh may play forty games this season. If Stephen Welsh is going to play forty games this season, yeah, that's quite an Then, like, it's great for Stephen Welsh. You know, like, I I think there's no problem with him being a substitute if he's going to play forty games this season. I think he'll develop as a player that way. But 
I mean, that's not something that Celtic fans want to hear if they're looking at progressing uh, the team forward from where it was last year because, I mean, Stephen Walsh couldn't get a sniff last year and, you know, Brendan Rodgers or Ange Postacoglu brought in two players who could theoretically play as a centre-back for Celtic ahead of Stephen Welsh and it looked like Celtic were actively trying to get him out of the club. So it'd be very interesting to see if he does play 40 games this season for Celtic. I thought he was fine when he came on against Aberdeen. I didn't think he put a, really put a foot wrong. That was actually weird that it was a slight upgrade on the way that Carter Vickers was playing because, I mean, obviously he was carrying uh, some sort of injury throughout the first half or at some point from the first half. So it, uh, Steve Walsh was an upgrade on that in, in terms of the way that Carter Vickers was playing, but I can't see him being a competitive player for Carter Vickers' place if he's fully fit for the season. I really can't see that. I can't see how he plays 40 games this season for Celtic. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, quite a re- remarkable statement, really, and I agree with you. I mean, it's, unless we, unless he knows that Carter Vickers is now going to be out for a considerable amount of time, which would be a disaster, frankly, <laughs> if that is the case, then, um, you know... Yeah, listen, this centre-back position, there's loads of question marks, right? We've got a new, a new player in, question marks about Carter Vickers' fitness, what is going to be Welsh's role? You know, Kobayashi scales don't look like they've got a future, but they're still at the club. That's, you know, five players in that position, potentially got another one coming in, six. So clearly there's, there's some sorting out to be done in terms of in terms of that position. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, it's not an area of... The, it, Rogers' first spell at Celtic was plagued by change after change in that position, you know, Turi, Samunovic, Boyata, you know, the list goes on, Beton, etc. You know, it was just a constant changing of personnel in that area without getting a settled partnership. And it's crucial, you know, that, that you have that. I mean, for, for all, you know, Starfelt strengths and weaknesses, just having that solidity of and consistency of partnership with Carter Vickers was in, in and of itself beneficial for Celtic. So you want to get mm-hmm. back to that. You don't want to be having you know, four or five centre-halves that all play 20 games. You just never get that continuity, never get that solidity. So, yeah, it's a lot of question marks in that area for sure. Just one final question before we finish up the podcast. There was a joke in the middle of the game that from Chris Sutton that Celtic should start practising throw-ins. Um, and... He said it kind of flippantly. Now, I can't find... I was searching and searching Twitter. I, I seem to remember somebody who reports in Scottish football talking about uh, somebody who was working in Celtic over the last year this left and that he could see some Celtic having some issues with throw-ins over the next uh, season. And not just throw-ins, but let's talk about the restart because if... You think about Celtic under Ange Postacoglu, the ball's in immediately, Joe Hart's immediately taking the the kick out as quick as he can, the throw-ins are going in, the corners are being taken quick, everything's done really fast and at high tempo. They're not doing that this season. And it was very noticeable with Greg Taylor especially, the amount of times where he was trying to throw the ball and nobody was giving him an option. And it seems like a minute detail but that's something that can cause Celtic real issue. And I seem to remember back like 2021, this was a real issue under Rodgers as well, that it was just turnover after turnover over simple balls that could have been just thrown in quickly. Um, and maybe that's just something that I've imagined in my head uh, against Aberdeen, but it seemed to be a real issue at the weekend that they were just so slow at restarting the game that it was allowing Aberdeen to get back into shape. 
Yeah, I, mean, I remember it was one thing I used to get really annoyed at Kieran Tierney about was he just seemed to take forever to take throw-ins and then, you know, all, everyone was marked up by that, by that stage. I mean, you know, it is something that's practiced, as you know. It's something that, because it's such a common scenario. So the ability to, you know, get, make yourself some space, move towards the thrower, take a potentially a bouncing or difficult ball in, control it, give it back, maintain possession, that, 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 sequence of skills is a key is a key key thing and it's something you should be practiced um you know regularly really so and as you say the, the restarts can be are all opportunities to disrupt opposition anything any restart is an opportunity to take advantage of people that switch off tired minds uh, people out of position and, and all that so the quicker you can do it the better so absolutely i mean it's something i've, I've not particularly noticed um but i've got data on so it's something that i can dig into as the as the season goes on for sure but yes yeah, so i mean even i mean what even kind of frustrates me a little bit is that you know i knew when we kicked off that o'reilly was going to pass it to mcgregor and Gregor was going to pass it to taylor but it's like we do that every single time can we not once just vary it because if you're the opposition you, you just put two men you know charging on to greg taylor you know, I mean, I really yeah. didn't do that, but it's so simple. Why do you, do you know what I mean? Because that's what we do every single time. And it's like just a bit of thought, a bit of variety. These these little margins, again, I talked about this before, they all add up. You know, one one little thing in and of itself isn't a problem, but, you know, multiple of these little margins stacked up, you know, you're not, you're not getting the ball into play quick enough. Your movement off the ball restarts isn't good enough. You're predictable in your movements. All these things multiply. And, and and make you weaker as a team, as you said. So yeah, something to something to look out for for sure. Yeah, I did say there twenty twenty one and Rogers first in, but that was Neil Lennon. I should correct myself on that. Rogers was twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. So, was it twenty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So around then, somewhere in that period between the end of Rogers' reign to Neil Lennon was when I seem to remember just being constantly turned over, but. We'll we'll get we'll do a deep dive on Celtic Strawn. That's episode number two hundred and seventy nine of the Huddle Breakdown or whatever. When you're not a big team, and you know, obviously, some teams like a lot of teams, most teams in the SPFL, you know, they make a throw in a performance. They try and make it a drama, right? You've got a lad that can hurl the ball sixty yards into the box. You get all your mates up from the back. You pile the box in. You throw. You make a big drama out of it, right? You make a big performance out of a throw in. Celtic can't play like that. We don't have a big striker that's going to head the ball on or take the ball on his chest and so forth. So we so we need to with small technical players. You need to keep the ball moving quickly. That's just common sense. Yeah, for sure. Right, that is where we'll park this uh, week's podcast. There will be a podcast probably later on in the week with yourself and James when he's back from his holidays. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be looking ahead to the Kilmarnock game this weekend, which is a League Cup game, which will be interesting to see who starts in that game. Will Burnaby start at left back? Who knows? We'll wait and see. And that will be on the Huddle Breakdown channel. So if you want to get that on YouTube, subscribe below, like this video, and you can get the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Huddle Breakdown as well. So that is where we will park today's podcast and we will chat to you later this week. Until then, good luck.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.